Recently, a pastor posted an article about why he left his job as a pastor and left career church ministry for good. And we've been going through the seven reasons why he decided to leave or the seven expectations that are really placed on pastors and in a lot of cases, somewhat unrealistically placed on them and expected of them. We're going through those one by one. If you didn't catch last week, you can check it out. It was all about the expectation of being a public speaker, professional public speaker. This week, we're going to talk about the expectation of being a CEO as a pastor. Here's what he says. The second required skill is that you are like the CEO of a company, anticipating not only what the current people in your church want, but also how to bring new people through the door. You have to grow the business and under the conditions we're in right now, that's super difficult because as I've discussed in previous posts, he says the culture is such that people don't really want to go to church anymore. So what he says is, is there's this expectation on you as a pastor to be this extraordinarily leader and really a chief executive officer, one like someone who would run a business and who would grow the business. And if you don't grow the business, you would be ousted, <laughs> like you'd be thrown out by the board of directors. And so what he talks about is how a lot of preachers, a lot of pastors go into ministry and their training is not in this direction. It's not for this. They go get an MDiv, right? Or they go get a theolo theology degree or a Bible degree, and then they become a pastor. And there's not a whole lot of training on how to lead an organization, which is what a CEO does. They're making decisions, not just spiritual decisions on kind of what are we going to teach and what's our spiritual direction going to be. There's that, and that's a big component. It's a big piece of it. But there's also this entire organization that employs people, takes in revenue, spends money, makes money, and has to continue to grow for this whole thing to work. And all of that pressure falls on you if you're the lead pastor. So in this episode, we're going to talk about how to manage that expectation. And we've been talking through this series of episodes about three ways to deal with each one of these expectations. And by the way, these expectations, there are seven of them that we're working through. This is the second one, but the seven expectations are professional speaker. We dealt with that in the last episode, CEO, that's today, and then counselor, fundraiser, human resources director, master of ceremonies, and pillar of virtue. So each one of these expectations is unique. And what we've talked about is there are really three ways to go about managing these expectations. Because whether or not we think this is fair, whether or not we think this is good or okay, or if these should be expectations that are placed on us, in some cases, these just fall in the category of, it may not be fair, but it is this way. This is reality. So if we're going to deal with this reality, we have to figure out how do we manage these expectations. And the three ways are this. We either embrace it, we either delegate it, or we outsource it. So embrace is this idea of me personally, I'm going to embrace this responsibility. I'm going to embrace this expectation and try to become proficient at this expectation. That's embracing. Delegating would be to say, I'm going to have someone else on my team who is going to effectively embrace it and take this on. And outsourcing is we as a church are going to hand this off to another organization outside of us, and they're going to kind of... Uh, take the, the weight of this expectation off of us. 
So we're going to get into this today, what we do with this expectation of being a CEO. If you're new here, my name's Lane. This is the Preaching Donkey Podcast. Welcome. I want to put something free in your hands just for just to say thanks for coming by. If you go to preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days, you can pick up my free 21-day guide to creating killer sermons. It's a three-week, three-step process that will walk you through how to create and deliver a compelling message. So whether you've been preaching for a long time and you're looking for something new and fresh to kind of put your eyes on and think differently about how you prepare, or if you're brand new to preaching and you're like, I need all the help I can get, there's something in there for you, preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. All right, so let's dive in. When it comes to CEO and church, what is the reality of that expectation? First of all, I want to just talk about how real this is. I remember when I was younger, I was going to a church that was relatively like a mid-sized church. I was in high school and I remember someone commenting about the pastor. And what they said was, is they said, you know, I really like this guy, uh, but he is not that good at knowing how we should handle deferred maintenance here at the church. And he's like, I love the guy's sermons. His sermons are great, but he's just bad at deferred maintenance. And I remember thinking, even as a 16-year-old, thinking, wow, is that, like, pastors have to think about deferred maintenance. And at 16, I'm like, I don't even know what that is. And apparently it was like, he didn't plan for maintaining the roof over time. Uh, And so it started to leak. And that was somehow now... It was his fault because as a pastor, he should just know like deferred maintenance is a thing, right? And so he has to be like facilities director and he has to be operations director, right? Because you've been in churches before where it's like, wow, like, yeah, the guy's a good speaker, but you know, this place just doesn't run that well, you know, and that pressure you feel. And then you feel the pressure of like, okay, I'm supposed to be the visionary of this organization and the executor of the vision. And so it just becomes this, like, as a as one person, there's no way you can even do these two things well. From last week, professional speaker, where you deliver a keynote address to the entire organization at least once a week. So that, that's an expectation placed on you. And on top of that, you have to be the chief executive officer and function at a level to take your organization and grow it from where it is to where it needs to go. So if you're running, if, if you have a church of 500 people, it better grow to 700 in the next couple of years or you have failed. Or if you have a budget of 1.2 million, it better grow to 1.5 million next year or you're not a good CEO because one of the other functions you have is fundraiser. And if you're not leading that well, then what are you doing? And you wonder why pastors burn out. This is a lot to take on. It's a lot to handle. So there's so many different directions that we could go with with CEO because really all of the other expectations fall under or at least the the remaining 5 that we're going to go through really fall under this category of CEO because the CEO instructs the direction of the entire organization and if they're the chief executive they're really the buck stops with them in terms of one of the expectations is fundraising. So if you're if you're the CEO and the and their <laughs> revenue is not coming in, who's to blame? Well, that's you. 
human resources, right? That person, if there is a person, they're going to answer to you. And if you're the same person, you're the CEO and the HR director, that's a lot of weight on you too. Oh, and master of ceremonies. You got to make sure that all the different functions the church does between weddings, funerals, and everything in between, you're the one who makes sure that all, all that stuff comes together. One of the things he doesn't mention here is director of ministries. In a lot of churches, especially small churches, the lead pastor is not just counselor, fundraiser, human resources, but they're, they're also the director of ministries. It's like, hey, if the church doesn't have a good kids program, it's your fault. If the kids doesn't have, if the church doesn't have a good student ministry program, it's your fault. Oh, we're not reaching young adults. That's your fault. And you can start to feel a sense of this is a weight that is unbearable for most people. And it's also unbelievably unrealistic to expect that someone would be an expert public speaker and have all of the charisma required, charisma, uh, intelligence, um, uh, speaking ability, appeal, all of that is required to be an engaging speaker week after week after week and have the capacity and the shared expertise of being this extraordinarily, extraordinarily, uh, extraordinary leader who has an incredible, like, do they just know what's supposed to be done and they do it. These are the expectations placed on pastors. So I, I first just want to kind of pause for a second and say, if you are experiencing a sense of crumble under the weight of these expectations, that does not mean you're incompetent. It does not mean you're not a good leader. It does not mean that you're not called to this. It just means you're normal, like you're a normal person. God did not design you to be amazing at everything. There is no one like that. And so one of the places that we put pastors in is we, we set them up to fail because we say, okay, you have got to be incredible at everything. And if you're just kind of not good at one thing, like you're a great speaker, but you're not that great at one-on-one -on -one counseling, or you're an amazing one-on-one -on -one counselor, but you're not the most engaging speaker, we will judge you for the one thing that you're not good at and ignore this gifted area and say, yeah, yeah, that's expected, right? You're expected to be a great speaker. You're expected to be awesome at fundraising. You're expected to be a great uh, high, you know, HR, you hire people well, fire people well, all that. That's expected. But you stink at this one thing and we're going to judge you for that. That's the pressure that you're under. So, and as he mentions, all for a cool 55K in, uh, in most, in, in some denominations. I want to just acknowledge that that is a painful reality that most pastors face. So what do we do with it? Well, we're going to filter it through this lens of embrace, delegate, and outsource. I want to go ahead and eliminate outsource right off the gate. There is just no good way to outsource the leadership of your church, the directional leadership, the executive leadership, the operational leadership. Uh, th there are things under that that you can outsource, and we'll talk about that in coming weeks. But in this question of do I embrace this personally, do I delegate it into someone on the staff, or do I outsource it to another organization, you cannot outsource this. So that leaves embrace and delegate. And what I think this has to be, and again, this is just my opinion. I could be wrong. You can decide for yourself what you want to do. I think that there is a blend. There is a hybridizing of embracing and delegating. And what this should look like, I think, in most churches is that when it comes to what do I embrace, I think it needs to be, 
if you're the lead pastor, the personal embracing of this kind of CEO role, which don't get hung up on how businessy it sounds. Basically, we're saying the leader of the church. I think embracing two things. One is the overall vision of the church. Like, what is where is the church going and what does that look like? That vision has to come from someone. And vision by committee is very tough. I think vision by committee, meaning that like, you know, if you have a body of elders and you're trying to come up with a vision, it can be very difficult for them to agree. It can be very difficult for it to be solid or clear or anybody like it or have any feeling about it. They just kind of, it's kind of meh. Vision, a vision coming from a, from a pastor can be very compelling. You have to put safeguards around that. You have to make sure that like, the, the vision can't be uh, without um, checks and balances so that we, we don't go after something that we really shouldn't or that God's not calling us to or we really don't have the money for. But by and large, with those things in place, as the pastor, one of the roles that you can embrace that kind of falls into the CEO category is chief visionary. Like, where is the church going? And the chief communicator of that vision that are the those are the two biggest things that you have to embrace because the vision has to kind of you have to feel the vision at a deep level personally in order to convince anyone that it's worthwhile worth going after and to get out of bed every morning and pursue it yourself so that vision has to kind of come from like deep within you got to you got to agree with it you got to feel it and because of your role as the chief communicator of the church, like you're the professional speaker, you're the one who speaks the most, you you are the main communicator of that vision and protector of how that vision is communicated and disseminated throughout your church. And so I think if you embraced those two aspects of it, where I am going to embrace the fact that I have got to think very clearly about where the whole church is going. What is the vision? And that vision is going to touch many places. It's not just kind of what I'm doing in my space, but it's also what is our kids ministry doing? What is our student ministry doing? Where are these things heading? Not leading directly in those ministries. That's where the delegation comes out, but visioning where this thing is going to go and communicating that vision. Now, when it comes to like delegating some things out, I think it's really helpful if you can, if you can afford it as a church, as quickly as you can to hire a person who owns the execution of the vision. So your your job is to, to champion the vision, communicate the vision, own it personally. And yet, if you try to also execute the vision, that's when it becomes overwhelming because everything else that you have going on. So the sooner you can hire an executive pastor, if you don't want to call it that, you can call it an, uh, you can call it an associate pastor. I don't care what you you can call it chief of operations, you can call it an operations director, operations pastor, it doesn't matter. It's just someone whose job it is to own that burden of seeing that vision come to life. And that person must also not be primarily responsible for teaching and preaching and spiritual leadership and direction of the church. This model can work very well. What this does is it frees you up 
to do the thing that you're uniquely called to do, which is to champion the vision of the church, communicate it well, shepherd the flock, care for people in a spiritual way, and lead your church spiritually through your teaching. And yet you're still connected to this person who then leads the rest of the organization. Now, if you can't afford to, like, like say your single staff church, you can't afford to hire someone. This is when you want to really empower key volunteers to own certain parts of the vision and the execution of the church. And that becomes a little bit more difficult, but it can be done. I think one of the ways that this can be done easier is to limit the amount of things that you actually do in-house. And we're going to talk about that when we get to further further through this series. I think some churches that are small try to act like they're big churches and have tons of ministries, and then nothing is done very well. It's better to simplify what you're doing, eliminate, say, say no to more things, say yes to the right things, so that you can manage that, especially if you have a lack of the funds to hire staff and you're relying a lot on volunteers. The less complicated the machine is, the more focused it is on the few things that matter, the better it's going to be for you. So I would focus on who is the person or who are the people that can help me execute on this vision. And I want to mention, I have a resource that helps pastors lead and communicate. So if there's the vision that you have to communicate and the vision that you have to champion, and you're expected to be this type of leader who is owning these different areas and equipping the other people in them, I have something I want to tell you about. It is my strategic leadership bundle. You can look at it at preachingdonkey.com slash leadership, preachingdonkey.com slash leadership. This is a resource that I built that is perfect if you find yourself in this situation. It goes through five different key areas of strategic leadership, strategic communication, mastering the art of persuasion. So that kind of covers that first category of what you're responsible for, professional speaker. How do you make people feel what you're communicating in such a way that they latch onto it and it motivates them to action? The second thing is strategic growth. Growing the church is one of the things that falls under this category of like chief leader. So I'm talking in this about creating a powerful invite culture, leveraging on-ramps, creating an invite culture using sermon series planning. So again, if your role is to both lead and communicate what you're leading towards, this is going to help you do that because what it is, it's helping you, dis it's helping you teach people lead your church in the direction of growing the church through invite to other people. And it's not just leading in that direction, but it's knowing how to communicate that leadership to the church. The third thing is strategic reach. So appealing to the unchurched and de-churched. So it's sacred intelligibility, speaking to the unchurched people in your community. How do you, as a pastor, if you have a church and one of the things you want to do is reach the lost how do you do that and how do you communicate that both from the pulpit, from the parking lot, from all the ministries? How do you position your church so that everyone's on the same page and saying the same things when it comes to engaging unchurched or de-churched people in your community? 
strategic development, equipping your team for next level ministry. We're going to talk about this a lot when we talk about HR, human resources director, because it is a reality that the larger your church gets, the more complex the employment structure is going to be. It's not just you and maybe one other person. It's going to be you and a few other people uh, to a whole staff of people that have teams and all this stuff, and it becomes a complicated thing. So I put together a more focused more, uh, more focus, more growth, a more actionable, succinct goal setting framework for you and your staff. So this is a way to not just communicate what the goals are for your staff and for developing them, but to lead them in that direction. And then finally, strategic multiplication, leveraging social media for kingdom impact. This is the, how do you as a church use the digital means available to you to grow your reach outside of the walls of your church and beyond Sunday. So that's there as well. I cannot stress enough how important this type of resource is for you if you feel that pressure of like, I got to lead this whole organization. This is crazy. Preachingdonkey.com slash leadership. You can find everything out about it there. And there's a ton of bonuses included where me and Brandon Kelly over at preachandlead.com talk about the the issues that come up with each one of these things. So again, preachingdonkey.com slash leadership. So I want to hear from you when it comes to this expectation of being a CEO, being that type of leader, what are the pressures that you feel? How have you managed it? And do you agree with me? Is it both an embracing and a delegating without outsourcing, or do you see it completely different? I'd love to hear from you in the comments if you're watching here on YouTube, if you're watching, if you're listening on one of the many different podcast players that we're on, please leave us a review if you like what you hear, and I will see you next time here at the Preaching Donkey Podcast. Until then, remember, if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you. We'll see you next time.